Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. All right, time for our Backyard Millionaire Creed. Stay with me. Promise yourself to invest in yourself. Promise yourself to trust yourself. Honor your instincts. Probably not wrong. Promise yourself to never invest on an emotional basis. Never. Not you. Promise yourself to negotiate with a win-win in mind. Promise yourself to begin with the end in mind. Promise yourself to find a need in your marketplace and fill it. And look forward in life, but don't live there. Promise yourself to learn from your past, but don't spend too much time back there. It's gone, it's over and behind you. Promise yourself to live the good life, which is waiting for you right here. Welcome to the Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Christopher Story, along with Mr. David Webb, bringing you what my mom calls the greatest show on earth. Little Andy Grammer, 85, helping us understand and remember what really matters and what's important. What's important in life, well, money matters, but how much? Now, money is not the most important thing in life but it is reasonably close to oxygen. The more of the things you have that money won't buy, those are the things that will enable you to get more of the things that money will buy. But to tell you the truth, I love the things money won't buy. Money bought me a nice house, won't buy me a home. Money will buy you a companion, won't buy you a friend. Money will buy you a good time, won't buy you a peace of mind. Money will buy you a bed, won't buy you a good night's sleep. Say love is more precious than gold. It can't be bought and it can't be sold. I got love enough to spare that makes me a millionaire. Remember the other creed of the backyard millionaire. We've got a lot of creeds here, but it's good to remember these things, that you cannot save your way to wealth. You can invest your way to a fortune, that is if you can learn to save. She's my treasure so very rare. 
How can you invest when the tide is in? When it's a high tide? How can you invest to win? I mean, prices are up, rates up, inventory down. You can start by investing in yourself. And that can sound cliche, prosaic. It can sound you know, easy, you know, whatever. If you've got if you've already got properties, you can you can say things like that. You know what I mean? If you've got, yeah, you've got your foot in the door, you can kind of wait this out and so forth. But if you invest in yourself first, you'll win in any market anywhere, anytime. It literally does not matter what the market's doing if you invest in you. And you do that by starting to understand credit, starting to understand how to play the game of credit, because that matters. That's the doorway. You know, John Calhoun used to have a great phrase. He'd say, there's somebody standing, this is of mortgage banks and mortgage brokers. There's somebody standing at your doorstep and they're going to have two suitcases, one in each hand. Each one is going to have a hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars in it. But for you to access it, you have to know what your credit score is. You have to understand credit. You have to play the game correctly. And that can take a couple of years to, to fix bad credit it could take even longer if you're fixing bad credit, but it can be done or to build credit, to improve upon your credit. You've got to understand it. So if the tide is in, prices are up, inventory's down, rates are up, you don't have enough cash on hand to even begin to think about a down payment. Okay, fine. We start by investing in you and your credit score, understanding credit, understanding your score, understanding your behavior and habits that impact and affect your score. Somebody I'm working with, working on paying off some credit card debt. And I'm just providing some coaching um, to them. It's something we offer here at ilovehomealaska.com. You can email me anytime. We can talk about how we could help you. And so we're working on this. And I'm like, you know what? Forget it. It doesn't matter that you're not going to be investing in a property this year. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't look around. Don't don't ask. Well, it's okay to ask people about what they're doing, but don't don't hang your hat on it. You know, stop comparing where you are to where somebody else is. Let's focus on you. Let's invest in you. And right now, that's going to mean investing in time. That's going to be taking some extra money that we'd love to have been going towards an investment. That's okay. We're going to be paying off this credit card. We're going to be taking steps one by one to get it paid down, get it paid off. Then hold the phone because maybe you do close that account. Maybe you don't. You're going to work with your mortgage broker like Rhonda Johnson, you're going to go to rondajohnson.net, strike up a communication with Rhonda, strike up a conversation with Rhonda, say, Rhonda, I'm going to be paying off this credit card. Should I close it out? Shouldn't I? Have her run your credit. Have a known mortgage broker, somebody you know, like, and trust, run your credit. Figure out where you're at, where you need to be, what would be advantage. Now, when the interest rates are high, the tide is in, the, the water is up right at the edges, and the interest rates are floated up with them. You better have the best credit score possible so you can take advantage of the best rates possible. Also, while you're investing in yourself, learn your market. It's not, that's not a throwaway line. That's not cliche. Learn your market. Watch what happens when the chips are down or the chips are up. Figure it out. Learn it. Study it. Work with your realtor. Be subscribing to a point where you're getting a drip feed every time something gets listed, sold, or pended. You're going to be notified about it. And just learn and watch. And you get that fingertip feel for your market. And remember, your market, is it could be as, as small as a neighborhood. It could be an entire community. It could be your entire county, borough, state. 
but it's going to be very hyper local for you, but you get to determine how hyper that is. So for me, it's one city, it's one zip code. That's it. You could be an entire, uh, like the Kenai Peninsula could be your entire market. That's fine. That's good for you. Mine is the 99603 zip code. That's it. That's, that's my market for my investing. That's it. Also, while you're investing in yourself, build your tribe. Study, build your tribe. Who do you need to be in contact with? I'm working on uh, finishing the edits on The Millionaire Maker. We're going to publish it as an ebook and as a uh, actually bound printed book so we can start selling. It's not about the money. It's about getting it in your hands in a physical way. And in there, in The Millionaire Maker, we have an entire chapter on building your tribe and who should be amongst your tribe and in your tribe. So look forward to that. That's something you can invest in very easily. And remember also, as you're investing in yourself, Dolph DeRusse's formula, 10031. It could take you 100 properties to get to 10 that you're, that you're pretty keen on that you might make three offers and end up with one property. It's a numbers game. And then read. That's the other way to invest in yourself is to read. I suggest reading great books. Like uh, we just went over the Millionaire Library. You can go back to our website, ilovehomeralaska.com forward slash podcast and you could probably find in the last two or three episodes i don't remember which one but we talked about your millionaire library go download that episode build your library and read oh you're not ready yet no problem start reading put that coffee down coffee's for closes on happy my dues time after time i've done my sentence Cry and bad mistakes. I've made a few. I have my shadow sand kicking my face, but I've come true. We are the champions, my You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Remember, when you hear the word wealth, you're actually hearing health, wealth, and prosperity. And among health is mental health, physical health, and your family, your relationships. That's, that's, that's fundamental and foundational to the good life, is maintaining relationships with your family, with your friends, with your community. Uh, Tiffany and I love talking about and studying the blue ocean well, yes, we do. The Blue Ocean Strategy, but the Blue Zones also. Uh, both great books, by the way. And our friend Renee Blanton, she's a nurse practitioner specializing in functional medicine, really wants our community of Homer, Alaska to become a Blue Zone where we have more octogenarians and centenarians uh, than anywhere else in Alaska. Community and connection is a massive part of that. It's huge. Health, wealth, prosperity, all of that is the umbrella over which the good life is lived. Coming up, we're going to be talking about owner financing, how to leverage your way to the top, how to set a goal, and we're going to talk about step one from the millionaire maker. Stick around, much more to come. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I said it earlier, but I'm going to repeat it. It bears repeating. You can hear this program back. All of our episodes are at I Love Homer alaska.com forward slash podcast or wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, whatever podcast catcher you use on your smartphone or phone or device, you can go there and type in Backyard Millionaire or just my name, Chris Story, and both of my shows will show up there. 
uh, follow the shows. And if you don't mind, I hate playing the game, but you you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. But uh, if you could rate and review the podcast, that actually puts it in front of more people in the app for whatever reason. I don't know. Don't care. It's how it works. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing both this show, The Backyard Millionaire, and our On Top of the World program, both are worthy and are found on uh, whatever platform you use. All right, real estate is, I'm going to say it, and I can back it up. I've got the receipts. I've got the goods. I can I can back this up, but I, I know that it could be challenged, and I would accept the challenge. I would say real estate is the only inflation-proof investment, period. I'm going to say it. It's bold. It's a big matzo ball hanging out there, but I can defend it. I can uh, prove it. If you buy and hold, you will win. The people who got hurt in real estate, and this is where it doesn't look exactly safe. It doesn't look exactly market-proof or inflation-proof when you look back over history and you see people that have over-leveraged and been hurt, participated in the bubble. But if you're not in the bathtub, then you can't be hurt by the bubbles, the bubble bath. That's my theory. So if you're in the bathtub to flip, you're going to get in trouble. You could get in trouble. And market corrections happen. For example, 0809, we saw massive nationwide, well, globally, but let's just talk about America. We saw massive nationwide correction, and those who were over-leveraged got hurt. Those that were specifically speculating got hurt. Those who were buying and holding did not. Sure, the tide went down a little bit. Prices went down a little bit. Values went down a little bit. Guess what they lost? Paper asset for a moment. Paper value. That's it. It's been said that there's probably still somewhere in the order of three to four million homes still underwater or properties. I don't know that's actually categorized as single family, but properties that are underwater still that haven't recovered completely. But if you're cash flowing your property or it's your home, let's just say it's your home that you're living in and it's maybe worth 50000 less than it was two years ago because of the COVID event, because of that, the, that craze of the lockdowns and the craze of everything that happened. So then we saw an artificial spike in some values, some areas, and then ramped up through a scarcity mindset. Like there's not enough. I've got to I've got to upbid this by 30, 40, 50 percent, whatever it was. We saw that nationwide. And maybe today it's it's that equity has shrunk a bit. That's a paper loss. That's not an actual loss. You weren't gonna sell it anyway because this is the sacred cow with which you milk for the long run. That's how it's inflation proof. So again, just to put a finer point on it, if you're playing in the market to flip. If you've bought into the courses that talk about flip and grow rich, all those kinds of things, you're going to be more affected, disaffected, I should say, when inflation hits. Those that are buying to hold, actually values go up, rents go up, costs do as well. Of course, that's an inflation, all rising tide, you're right, floats all boats, but you are inflation proof because you're rising with the tide. The people who survived and not only survived, but thrived during the last downturn, the last real correction we saw, which is coming up on called 14 years ago. The buy and hold investors did well, not just well, but thrived. Cash rich, credit worthy buyers were able to increase their portfolio, grow their wealth. And those that just held were also able to. And that's what Tiffany and I did. We did not increase our asset accumulation during that 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 shrinkage we we didn't 
and we just but we held and all of those properties have thrived and increased rents have increased everything so that's why i'm saying i've got the receipts i can prove it and likewise during this inflationary period of what 15 it depends on who you listen to or what economist you're you're willing to bank on 15 18 percent inflation i mean just go look at the price of groceries today you can see it for yourself you don't need a phd to see it everything's gone up so inflation proof yourself with real estate now the market's going to cycle up and down everything does gold silver stock market bonds all of it's going to cycle up and down and if you're checking, if you're busy pulling the plant up by the roots to see if it's still growing daily, you're going to be disappointed. And you might feel the loss emotionally, you know, viscerally in your body. You don't check it every day. Don't check your stocks every day. Don't check your, unless you're a day trader, in which case then I good, wish you luck. <laughs> Best of luck to you. But I'm talking about the long-term investor. Do not check the values every day. For example, this is just what Tiffany and I do. You do you. This is what we do. We check about once a year. Now, I'm in the market, so it's a little bit different for us because I have a fingertip feel of the entire market here. So I, I, I've got a pretty good sense, but I don't do a technical evaluation except for once a year because otherwise you go crazy. I mean, there's times, I will be honest with you, there's times over the last two years that I would have felt like, woo, wow, wait a minute. Okay, let's check at the end of the year. We check once a year and determine our net worth. We determine our, our asset value. We decide, what, what do we want to do? Do we want to add commercial? Do we want to add more residential? Okay, now we're looking more for apartment buildings. What is it that we want based on what we've got? But we don't check daily. You'd go insane. Don't do it. It's irrelevant. Uh, over time, you're going to win by buying and holding. It's been proven. And this is the great room, although great hardly seems to do a room like this justice. Weird, squiggly painting not included. I actually love it. I do too. It's really beautiful. Well, I knew, but I didn't want to know. And I saw where I didn't want to go. So I took the path less. Traveled on, and I'll let my stories be whispered when I'm gone. Have you set your goals for 2024? We're early days, early, literal early days of January 2024. Now's a great time. Oh, don't worry about it. If you didn't do a New Year's resolution, who cares? We set goals here. The goal of the Backyard Millionaire is to help you live an inspired, motivated, and wealthy and prosperous life, period. So you can start setting goals January 1, December 1, July 1. I don't care when. It's a process. And here's how you start. If you're not familiar with or accustomed to setting goals for yourself, here's a great way to start. Just answer a few simple questions. And, and we can do, since we're in January, we can talk about this year, specifically this year. Who do you want to become this year? Put in parentheses, 10 years. Who do you want to become this year, slash, or parentheses, 10 years? Who do you want to serve this year? Where do you want to go this year? What do you want to learn 
this year? What do you want to give this year? And so you think about it as this year, but truly what I want you to do, the best exercise of all, you answer these questions. So who do I want to become? Who do I want to serve? Where do I want to go? And who? what do you want to learn? Okay, answer all those questions. But also add to this a brain dump. Take a blank sheet of paper and just write as many things down, maybe as many answers to these questions as you can. How much do you want to have? How much do you want to earn? How much do you want to give? Answer all these questions. What do you want to accumulate? What do you want to have in your life over between one, two, five, ten years? So just brain dump, first of all. No holds barred. Just write as fast as you can. Maybe put on a song, a song that you like or it's inspiring to you. And then during the duration of that song, just write as fast as you can for as long as the song plays. And then go back and look over your list. Don't judge yourself. Don't berate yourself. Don't beat yourself over the head. Don't even add to it unless you really have to, but you probably got it right the first time. And then on that list, this is the Jim Rohn approach. On that list, then assign a year for each of your goals, each of the things that just came out of your mind. Is this a one-year thing? Or is this a two or a five-year? And remember the old adage, you probably are overestimating what you can do in a year and underestimating what you can do in a lifetime. So as you think about these things, maybe you want to write a book. Don't put one year on it. Put that as a two or three-year goal. Don't do five. That's too long. You don't need that long. Put that as a three-year goal or two-year goal. Um, you want to lose a bunch of weight? Make that a five, three, two, one year. How many do you want? How much weight do you want to lose this year? And and rather than focus on the weight, think about fitness. I want to be fit. When? Okay, that starts with a one year, two year, three year, five year. Don't rush it. Don't push it. Be sure to be really. If you want to double your income or triple your income or something like that, that's got to be something that's spread out over time. Otherwise, this exercise becomes uh, a self denial. And you go, see, yeah. I knew it. It just wasn't going to work. I said, this is ridiculous. No, it, you just didn't put the right year on it. So think about it as though it's going to take time to do certain things and give yourself that time. As again, go back to that sentence. You underestimate what you can do in a in, you know, excuse me. You overestimate what you can do in a year. Underestimate what you can do in a lifetime. As I look back over the things that I've done, places I've gone or you know who I've become in my lifetime I think wow I just, and, and every now and then I'll just uh, you know I'll kind of like get chastised myself and say oh, I should have done more by now I'm 51 years old I, I should have done more by this point nope nope I'm right where I'm supposed to be and then I can look forward and and spring ahead gentlemen it's come to my attention that a breakaway Russian Republic Kripalakistan is about to transfer a nuclear warhead to the United Nations in a few days here's the plan we get the warhead and we hold the world ransom for one million dollars. <throat> well, don't you think we should maybe ask for more than a million dollars? A million dollars isn't exactly a lot of money these days. Virtucon alone makes over nine billion dollars a year. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Okay, then. We hold the world ransom for... $100 billion. <laughs> I want to be a billionaire. So <laughs> Whoops. Oh, just too much, Dr. Evil. That's too much. Oh, that's funny. 
When we return to the Backyard Millionaire, we're going to be talking about using owner financing to leverage your way to the top. Plus, step one out of the Backyard Millionaire Maker. Stick around. We'll be right back. A different city every night Oh, I, I swear The world better prepare For when I'm a billionaire You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire How to create wealth where you are with what you've got I'm Chris Story, your host for great adventures And all things possible and prosperous And I truly mean that for you It's not too late I don't care where you are on the ladder of life I don't care what you've got or not got right now, if you set your mind to it, you can have, do, or become anything that you want. And then you just have to remind yourself, be careful about what it is you say you want because your subconscious mind will hear it, go to work on it, and then when you don't do it, that's where the trouble, that's where the grief, that's where anxiety is created in your life. The tension between what you say you want but then what you're really doing, either with it or about it. And sometimes it's nothing, in which case then we create anxiety needlessly. So be careful about what it is you say you want to do, have, or accomplish, or become. I would love for you to pick up my book. And this is a shameless plug and promotion, but I want, I want to share the message around the world. And it's called Born to Live. It is a, an incredible little story. And I can say that with all, all humility set aside because... I kind of don't feel a sense of ownership over the story. I do own the story. I own the rights and publish it. But I'm just saying, I don't feel like I own the story because I feel like it was handed to me and it was as close to something called automatic writing as I've ever come. And it just flowed through me. And I feel it was in divinely inspired. As, as arrogant as you may think that sounds, I'm holding up my right hand right now. I, I do feel that. And it came to me as... A, it's the outcropping of an incredibly difficult time. Like one of, not the most, but maybe one of the most incredibly difficult periods of my life. From that came this little story called Born to Live. And it's available at my website, ilovehomeralaska.com forward slash book or wherever better books are sold. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If I had a if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house. Maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you car a nice reliant automobile and if I had a million dollars I'd buy you love you can't buy love certainly not with a million dollars it's more expensive than that and like Zig Ziglar said in the beginning of the program you can't buy love anyway you can buy companionship but you cannot buy a friend you can however leverage your way to a fortune with owner financing and I want to just outline a few details about owner financing and start with this. It's, it can be, and especially if you begin with the end in mind towards win-win, it can be an incredibly win-win oppor uh, opportunity for both parties, both a buyer and a seller, both an investor and 
a, a seller, who, however you want to look at this, when sellers don't owe anything on the property or don't need or and don't need or want the cash all at once. Plus, never forget that there's a healthy interest rate attached to this opportunity that is earned along the way, increasing the overall profit for that particular property. So owner financing is and can be one of your best friends for leveraging your portfolio upward. And so I want to provide a little bit of context for and around that and put up a few guardrails and just say, okay, um, here's, here's how both from a seller's perspective and you as an investor's perspective, this is how it ought to go. Again, coming back to win-win. So why, first of all, let's just answer the easiest question and the most often asked question, why? Why would I, if I'm a seller, for example, why would I want to owner finance this? I, I don't know. I don't want the property back. Well, I'm going to go through some of the protections for you in a minute, but I want to hit and highlight the fundamental and the most obvious why, interest. Earned interest, you can make money on your money. If you do not have a better use of the money, consider it. Now, again, we're going to go over some cautions and some, some guardrails that you want to put up before you just accept this, uh, this candidate for a loan, because that's who you're becoming a lender now. If you do owner financing as a seller, you are the lender B, so you need to make sure that they've got the credit and are worthy. See how that just rhymed together? So, but again, that's the why for the buyer. Now, why or seller, why for the buyer? Why would you want to go through this? Why would you want to owner finance and not just get a loan? You know, let's let's presume you've already made the decision you're going to leverage. You're going to use leverage. You're not going to use all your cash or wait to invest until you've got all the cash at once. You you understand and accept the opportunity that is the golden shovel from the backyard millionaire, which is leverage multiplied by effort equals gold. You already recognize leverage used wisely and safely is advantageous. But why owner financing? Well, you get to avoid the rigmarole that is the mortgage. Costs as well, huge costs in a mortgage. I mean, hey, get them, use them, of course, but if you can do owner financing, you automatically shrink the overall cost of the money. Now, the interest might be higher, but you're gonna shrink the cost of the upfront money to get the loan, plus the proctological experience that is getting a mortgage. Hey, again, go back to John Calhoun's philosophy. There's two people or two suitcases out front you know, with hundreds of thousands of dollars in it, you're going to do what they say. You're going to play the game. But still, if you can avoid all of that with owner financing, wow, what a relief and what a joy. Now, remember also, you're only allowed currently to have 10 conventional mortgages. So you're only allowed 10. So if you do want to ladder up beyond 10 properties, owner financing can be a very critical piece of that. And that's outside the bounds of that 10 limit. And if 10 sounds like a crazy amount right now, once you start playing the game, it may not. And it can be. You can stick with the four-home formula. That's fine. Uh, but if you want to go beyond that, owner financing can be a critical piece of it. So um, here's some of the protections for both parties, a deed of trust and a promissory note. What this means is that you, the buyer, are going to take title to the property. There's something called a, a contract for deed. You've maybe heard of this, a contract for deed. Some people still refer to that as a, as a trust deed or contract for deed. You don't want to be involved in that. Both sellers and buyers want to avoid that with all possible, um, you know, at, at all. Just don't, don't do it. Don't do a contract for deed. What that means is that the owner is going to keep title in their name with you guys have a contract. And when you pay them off completely, then they'll give you title. You do not want that. You want to do a deed of trust and a promissory note such that you get title at closing. It's now your property. 
And the lender, the seller, has a lien against the property, a deed of trust and a promissory note that outline all of the, the precautions that they want employed. Um, you got to keep up the taxes. You have to keep up the property. You can't degradate the property. You can't devalue the property. You can't sell it to somebody else. Included in the deed of trust is giving you what's called a due on sale clause. It's not assumable. Now, you might want to stipulate in there, either party might want to stipulate that it could be a, a qualified assumable. Like, in other words, you could sell the property and have the loan assumed if the seller, the note holder, approves of it. So it has to be approved. Um, best case is just to have a due on sale clause. And if, if and when somebody does come to you and say, hey, I want to sell this property to Bob Smith over here, um, would you take them on? Could they assume the loan? And then you could make the decision, well, tell me about Bob. You know, let, let's, let's dig into this or say, no, absolutely not. I want to be paid off. So at the sale, a new loan or cash is going to pay off that deed of trust in the promissory note. So, okay, that's a due on sale clause that, that protects everybody. I mean, it's, and if you're a buyer presenting an offer for owner finance, you might as well include it. Because if you don't include it, I can almost promise you it's going to come back. So if you want to create an offer that your seller can accept, then you'll include the due on sale clause. And then another little feature called the right to sue under the note. And I'm not an attorney. I'm not giving legal advice here. But I'm saying that this allows for the collection of the difference between the foreclosed upon property's court sale and what's owed. So if at court sale or an auction, they were able to let's see $100,000 was able to be recouped on the property where 125 was owed, then the $25,000 you're personally liable for and they can sue you for it individually. It's not just a, a liquidated damage such that whatever you get out of court sale is all you can get. So you want to include the right to sue under the note clause. Again, consult with your attorney, but this is how we draft these offers typically. Um, and then there's the terms of the owner financing. You want to be in complete control of that. Both parties want control. So again, come back to win-win. Um, usually there's going to be, not always, but a lot of times there's going to be a call due. There, uh, think balloon payment. So maybe maybe you're financing property with somebody who's, you know, older or just doesn't want to be in this situation for more than three or five years. Every now and then you come across somebody who will go 15 to 20. Um, and that's great. If you can do that, wonderful. But usually, and you, you ought to just expect as a buyer investor, you ought to just expect that the seller is going to want to come back and add some sort of a call due or a balloon payment in there at a certain point. Uh, sometimes those can be, um, you know, mutually agreed to extend or build in some sort of if both parties agree. We can extend for an additional five years. Be careful there that then the interest rate doesn't start all over again. The interest rate, the, um, the amortization doesn't start anew because then you're back to square one paying more interest than principal. So be careful about that. Um, but yeah, but a due on sale clause, excuse me, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, call due. Uh, can also think of it as a debt bomb that's, that's out there. There's a bit like the sort of Damocles hanging over your head such that it's going to, the difference is you know when it's going to fall. Uh, and you just have to plan for that. So if you have a plan, if you know something's going to happen at year three or five or something like that, uh, where you're going to come into more money, you're going to be financeable, you're going to have enough equity where you can refinance it, or you're going to have the cash, whatever it is, know that you have that plan set in place. Otherwise, it could be, like I said, that debt bomb just ticking. And what we don't want is for any of these investments to keep you up at night. We want to plan for the best possible outcome. And even in this case, like I say, using owner financing. Also, a proper owner finance deal should have um, a contract collection account. 
your bank likely will offer some sort of an escrow contract collection account whereby you don't pay the owner. You, the owner, aren't, or the seller aren't collecting, knocking on the door. Hey, where's my money? It happens through the bank. Now, the bank doesn't go after and collect for you, but it's set up whereby both parties can agree and the money flows in from your investor and out to the lender or the seller. So it's a nice way. They do keep track of it. And at some point when it's paid off or the call due matures, then they handle the paperwork, send it back to the trustee, which is going to be the title company. And it's all happening without you having to think about it. The contract for deed where the seller keeps the property in their name until you pay it off, what if something happens to them? I hate to be morbid, but what if, what if they perish? What if they pass away? And suddenly you're hoping that that little recipe card stuck in that little file folder is accurate and that the heirs find it. And you don't have to go through a legal embattlement to prove how much you've paid and how much is owed and you enforce your contract. So the best thing possible is you take title to the property and then have a contract collection account set up. Okay, so that's a proper deal there. Also, again, you're going to get title and there's going to be lien against the property, which is going to be your deed of trust. Um, and then you're going to inquire, let's assume that there's a, a structure on here. You, the buyer, the investor, you're going to provide insurance, hazard insurance, naming the seller as a lost payee. So in other words, if it's a home or an apartment building or something, and, and heaven forbid there's a, a tragic fire, you don't just get a check from the insurance company. You either have to get them to countersign that check to reinvest into the property, or you have to pay off what's the balance due on that deed of trust. So that's that's going to be a lost payee situation. So my best advice is to at least consider owner financing as a path forward in using it in your arsenal of leverage. Again, we don't want to over leverage. You don't want to overpay just because there's not an appraisal involved typically with owner financing. That doesn't mean you want to overpay. This is why you're using a realtor and you're getting good advice. It's the best advice I can give you on using owner finance. If you ever want to talk about it further or have more questions, you can simply go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com, and go to Contact Chris, and I'll answer all your questions the best I can or point you, as importantly, in the direction of an expert in your area. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. When we return, we're going to go into step one of The Millionaire Maker Plus. What is fair market rent? We'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Chris Story here along with Mr. David Webb. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the program. If ever you've got a question, as I said before, you can go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com, contact Chris, or you can text message me at 907-299-7653. Because this program is heard around the nation and around the world on iTunes and the other podcast platforms. It's fun sometimes to wake up in the morning and find a textual message from somebody in the lower 48 or even in Europe who has texted it off times or what have you. And so I enjoy it. I never mind it. Always love it. And I don't, you never worry about waking me up because it's going to be off at that point in time. And I'm not going to see it or hear it until the next morning. All right. Get over here. Get my millionaire maker. Now, I said before, I've, I've emailed out a lot of these. We've been beta testing this for a couple of years, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback from the millionaire maker. Six practical steps, your first four rentals, a step-by-step -step guide to becoming a backyard millionaire. And we've gotten a lot of great, as I say, feedback, and um, I just love sharing this. But we're no longer sharing it for free. Um, in other words, I'm not just sending out the PDF like we have been for the last couple of years because we're going to be offering this in a 
a printed published work. And that isn't to say that I'm not gonna ever give those away, and this isn't a huge money-making endeavor. It's, just a, it's a matter of codifying this information in a more uh, tangible way that I think will be held on to. I personally despise digital only. I can't stand it. I don't like this idea. Like if I have a book on my Kindle on my phone, um, no, sorry, I gotta have a I gotta have a paperback as well. I mean, I've read I could probably count on two hands the number of books I've read digitally. It's just not my thing. And so here I am promoting this digital product. No, I gotta create two things out of it. Actually, there's gonna be three. There's going to be the audio version, which I'm gonna read. There's gonna be the digital Kindle version, if you must, and then there's gonna be the paperback. And yeah, my, my joy will be handing out, giving away the paperback or, or selling it, of course. Um, so we are profligate. No, not profligate. The opposite of profligate. Um, but here's step one. So I do want to continue to share the information, albeit not the PDF. All right. So we start out with a quote from Ogmandino. Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. So step one, decide. Step one to becoming a backyard millionaire, step one to becoming healthy, step one to becoming a, a better spouse, a better person, community member, business owner, whatever it is, the step one of any, anything you want to do in life is to decide. Make up your mind to become a millionaire, and you will. I'm not promising how long it's going to take. I'm promising it will happen if that's what you want to do. Decide comes from the Latin word decidere, which means to literally cut off, meaning you have no other routes. Once you've made a decision, there's no way around it. That's it. You've made the decision. That means you trust yourself and you've built that trust over time. You know that once you commit to something, once you decide, you're in. You're all in. Then I go into, in this step one, kind of a fun story about, I used to have an Argo, an eight-wheeler track machine. And one of the wheels was giving us some trouble. And so I took it over to my friend John Calhoun's house. And John Calhoun was a founding partner here at Story Real Estate and at the time was um, was still active with us. He's now retired. But uh, at that time, I, I was complaining about this uh, problem. I was having with a bearing, need to replace a bearing, got to pull the wheel off, can't get the wheel off. Um, we were having you know, a tough time with it. And he said, well, bring it out to the house. And he's got a shop with every mechanics tool you could imagine. And so I took it out there and we were struggling. Couldn't get these, I can't remember if it was a lug nut or... I don't think it was that simple. I think it was something else. We just couldn't get it free. It was frozen. Couldn't. I mean, it was just seized. We couldn't get it free. We tried everything we could. And I just threw my hands up. I said, well, thanks, John. I I appreciate it. I really do. It was, uh, it was nice of you to offer to help, but I'm just going to have to take it into a shop somewhere. And he put his tools down, wiped his hands, kind of, you have to just know John to understand this. And he kind of didn't really make eye contact. He wiped his hands a little bit and he's got a very kind of smug, churlish look on his face and said, oh, I thought you wanted to do this. I'm like, well, I did, but we can't do it. And he goes, so look, we can either keep working on this until we get it and fix it, or you can just leave right now. I thought you were committed. I was like, ooh, wow. Kind of hit me right in the solar plex, but I've never forgotten that moment. It's like, wow. All right, John, yeah, you know what? I'm in, I'm committed. And like within minutes, I'm not kidding, within minutes, we had it freed up. It just took that little extra persuasion. It just took just, a, it was just around the corner. And I obviously hadn't decided to do this because I don't like mechanicing, um, clearly. So I just wasn't in. I wasn't committed. 
And so if you approach real estate, you approach health, you approach real, uh, relationships, you, whatever it is, if you approach it half in, you can't be half pregnant. You can't be half committed. You have to decide and cut off of any other path, forward, backward, sideways. You're going to be like the ant. Jim Rohn talks about the ant philosophy. Ants never quit. They go over, around, under, chew through. They find a way forward. If you decide to do this, you will become a backyard millionaire. You can apply the four home formula to your life. You can apply it to everything you want to do, accomplish, or have. See those houses over there? I'm buying them. Those crappy ones? Well, what for? For an investment. What have I been saying? I don't know. Real estate. Buy real estate. Y'all ready for this? A friend texted in a moment ago, John John B. texted in a moment ago and said that uh, he loved that clip from Slumdog Millionaire. The, Who wants to be a millionaire? And it is a great film. He said it's one of his all-time favorite movies. Mine, too. I love Slumdog Millionaire. If you haven't seen it, it's it's hard one to watch. I love the movie. But it's a little hard to watch and fun to watch and inspiring to watch and sad to watch all at the same time. It's really a good one, actually. Let's talk about fair market rent. What is fair market rent? And if you own properties or wish to own, want to own, will own one day, keep this in mind. You aren't doing anybody a favor by repressing rents. Tiffany's aunt, I will say aunt, and you'll understand why in a moment. Tiffany's aunt owned a brownstone in New York City worth millions of dollars. She inherited it from her family. Ironically, and I say it only because of the timing with which we're talking, they were immigrants from Ukraine back in the 30s, bought this brownstone in New York. It was worth millions of dollars by the time Tiffany's aunt inherited it. Guess what was stuck in it? Tenants. Guess what they were stuck on? Rent control. <laughs> Governmental interference causing the, the actual value of that property to plummet because it couldn't get these people out. And the rent-controlled unit could have been transferred to another family member. Good grief. Guess what? Now, You've got almost no rent coming in comparatively to property taxes, comparatively to cost of maintenance, comparatively to insurance, everything else. You're forced by the government to keep artificially low rents uh, to quote, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, to help people. It doesn't help. It ends up hurting. You, likewise, if you're trying to help people by artificially suppressing your rents, in fact, I make this point, you're actually, actually harming them. So you don't need to be outrageously high. You don't need to be above fair market rent. You don't even need to go to the top of the range if you don't want to. And everybody makes, gets to make your own decision. You're running your own business. It's up to you. You get to decide. But my advice would be and my counsel would be keep up at least with the market. Or if you're going to be below it, don't go too far below. Keep up with the fair market rent because this allows you to it allows you to free free board cash to reinvest into the property, make upgrades, and cheaper rent isn't how you attract your best quality tenants. And what you're gonna have then is frustration. I've already said the whole goal of this is to keep you from feeling frustrated. I want you to enjoy this process. I want you to love your tenants. I want you to love your properties. I want you to have a wonderful experience, not a problem, not 
issues, not things going on. I want you to have a great time with this. So if you keep your rents at least at fair market rent, don't have to go higher, but at least up. Keep ratcheting them up slowly. So if you, and if you're way below right now and you're hearing this and you're going, you know what? I think he's right. You know, I really do think we need to, um, to increase those rents a little bit. You can do it over time. You can turn it up slowly. You don't have to knee jerk or anything, but you're not doing anybody a favor to keep artificially low rents. Let me tell you something. If your tenant moves and you've kept rents artificially low and they've built their life around that artificially low rent that they can't get again, they're going to go into major culture shock. Tell me who's that right? John the Revelator, who's that right? John the Revelator, who's that right? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. No, God walked out in the cool of the day, called Adam by his name. As you look around the internet, you can find a thousand and one people teaching real estate strategy, investment strategy, get rich quick, all of these things. And you can find just as many people warning you to not make any investments at all. You can find whatever you're looking for. Here's what I'd ask you to do while you're looking is to measure your own rate of return. There's industry standards, there's multipliers, there's you know this times EBITDA. You can listen to anybody you want to about any industry or any business. Here's my personal advice and recommendation is that you measure your own personal rate of return. You might hear somebody, a talking head on a respected network, whatever, talking about a certain rate of return you ought to expect or receive or don't make the investment. But you have to decide how much appreciation a year is necessary, how much cash flow. Yes, cash is king, but how much cash flow will make this work for you? Ultimately, what's your life going to look like in a year, two, three, or four, or five, or 10, depending upon your investment horizon. Also, cash on cash return. You hear people talking about the return on investment. It was a 6%, 5%. This, this REITs that are guaranteeing X percent. Cash on cash return means that you're going to measure the, re the return on that investment, period. That's it. So if you have 5% investment and the property goes up in value double digits, it's not, it's not just the difference between what you paid and what it's now worth. It's the multiplier of your cash that has gone up maybe even 100 or 200%. So that's the personal cash, um, personal return on investment that I look for uh, when we're leveraging a property. And so if you're gonna pay cash for a property, then it could be a little bit different. It's all cash, you're not using any leverage, fine. What's your personal return required for you to be happy with that investment? Talking heads aside, I want you to determine for yourself what you're in this for. I'm Chris Story reminding you that you really can, and yes, I do mean you, can make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time.